This is the Jim Lebo Show, where we're diving into the truth about CBD oil, its many uses, benefits, and life-changing capabilities. Here's your host, Jim Lebo. Well, welcome back to everybody. Glad that you are still hanging in there listening with us. Uh, we've got a great show today. We have Wes Parks in studio with us today. He's a licensed therapist in Fort Worth. And we're uh, talking a little bit, you know, we've got, you know, a few different subjects today that we're kind of going over. And uh, he has uh, tremendous knowledge when it comes to a lot of the studies and things that have been going on, uh, you know, here, uh, you know, in our area and uh, as well across the country. But, um, you know, what what I'd like to do is, you know, one thing I'd like to say is, you know, if, if people want to go out to cleanleafpharma.com, that's where they can pick up, you know, the CBD products. And uh, and also go out to medicineman.global, and uh, and you'll be able to uh, uh, get different products as well at that site. We uh, uh, it's dual companies that we have, um, and, and this is the you know the products that people need. Now you know it's interesting to see uh, the difference in, in in the products that are out there in the marketplace. Uh, you know we've noticed when we test against other products that are in the market that they can't compete with how well our product works. And when we were at the show here, actually in Texas, uh, we were voted one of the top products in the show when we were there. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. We, we, we've been really lucky. I mean, it's, uh, we, we've got some great scientific people. And, uh, you, know, we're, you know, we're trying to make a difference like you're trying to make a difference. Well, I, I am all about the science. Of anecdotal studies don't impress me that much, even when it's my own anecdotal observations. But when you're talking science and peer-reviewed science and data that we can get behind and analyze and replicate, I don't really see how you can argue with that. I agree with you 100%. I just right. think we need a lot more of the science. So, if, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, um, your industry... Um, how do you think most of the people on your side? <laughs> I can see by your face already what the answer is going to be. <laughs> wow. Well, let me tell you, in, in the medical and the mental health professions, we are consistently taught in all of our psychopharmacology and neuropsychology and neuropsychiatry classes that uh, cannabinoids, weed, it's all, it's evil. It's evil. It's a gateway. Nothing good can possibly come of this. We should be warning our clients of the dangers of this. We should be pushing rehab and treatment. Well, that's been true for so many substances that now we're starting to see great potential for treatment. Again, I go back to, you know, we're using ketamine, a party drug, an animal tranquilizer now for treatment-resistant depression with phenomenal results. We microdose ketamine in people with the severest of the depression, and within 20 to 30 minutes, they are able to function almost normally with their activities of daily living. We're studying using ecstasy in PTSD therapy with vets with amazing results. Let's take it to the next level. Let's see what we can get with cannabinoids. We're studying that now, in fact. We're studying it with all manner of conditions. It's limited studies because, of course, it's a, for whatever reason, a tightly controlled substance. But we're doing the research. We just need to do more of it. People in my profession are resistant to accept the results. It's sad. It's really sad. I mean, hopefully we can work together on some of those opportunities because one of the things that we're doing, uh, I come from a military family, so we're actually working uh, on products for PTSD. They really like to hear it as PTS now. They don't like it (laughs) because they don't want to be, you know, I'm labeled this. Right. uh, but, uh, you know, as far as uh, that, that's a, that's a very big, we're donating money back to that organ or different organizations that are out there as well. 
uh, and, and being heavily involved. And one of the things that we want to try to do is, is get them off the streets, get them back, you know, with the mental side to where they need to be with CBD mm-hmm. or whatever other products may need to be, you know, involved in it. And then maybe get them out on our hemp farms and utilize them to start growing and stuff like that and give them an opportunity that they currently don't have right now. What a great way to bring it full circle. Yes. That is fan- that's a fantastic idea. I, I really look forward to seeing that in action. Yeah, and, and we've we've got some interesting things that you know that I'm putting together that I think that we could wow Seven Eleven with to to join in on the program with us. So great, you know. But uh, but let's get back to you know some of the things that we were talking about. You know we, you know we talked you know about schizophrenia. We talked a little bit you know from you know the smoking side of it. You know mm-hmm. I'd like to hear you know a little bit more just because I said that it was a little bit closer to you know my heart. You know how uh, you know receptor one, receptor two that we've been talking about. And again, if you're just joining into the show uh, on the receptor side, why don't you go ahead and and just give them a quick rundown on the receptor part, sure. and let's talk a little bit more on the schizophrenia thing. So when we're looking at cannabinoid receptors, we're looking at two biggies, CB1 and CB2. And CB2 is mostly, it's primarily expressed in the immune system or in pain system. CB1 is pain in brain, mostly brain function. So we always want to look at CB1 very, very carefully. And, you know, your body naturally produces some cannabinoids when you feel pain. That's why we have these receptors in our body already. Exactly. And interestingly, we have 70 times more of these than we have for receptors for things like heroin. Yep. So, you know, maybe there's a reason we should be studying this more. But we look at the way that these receptors can be stimulated, either through agonist or antagonist. So an agonist makes something happen. An antagonist prevents something from happening. So maybe preventing something from being absorbed or making something happen so it does get absorbed. So we're right. thinking about how these receptors can come into play because... Traditionally, we haven't really researched that much because, you know, again, it's the the evil drug. We don't go down the evil drug path. But with schizophrenia, what we see is people with schizophrenia, the treatment antipsychotic medications are in and of themselves sometimes damaging to the brain. One of the biggest problems we have with schizophrenia is noncompliance with treatment because the medications dull everything. They make some people like a zombie. Why would you want to be on medication that does that? So they frequently go off their medication. And then they what we in my profession call self-medicate. By smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the, the argument really gets a little murky. Smoking cannabis exacerbates schizophrenic symptoms. Other CBD products do not. They can actually be beneficial when they stimulate the receptors in the right way. So sometimes it even comes down to the delivery mechanism. But when you don't have these products readily available, because it's not like you're going to go to the state hospital when you've been involuntarily committed and they're going to give you CBD when you don't respond to the antipsychotics. I don't imagine the formularies got that. You get back out on the street, what are you going to do? You're going to go to a drug dealer and you're going to get some weed and you're going to smoke it. And it's going to make you feel better. It's going to calm you down, but actually make your psychosis worse. But if they used some other products instead that stimulated the receptors more effectively in a different way instead of just 20%, because when you're smoking it, you're actually only absorbing about 20%. That's not enough to really get what you need therapeutically. What if they had another option? That's what we're starting to study. Have they studied any differences between the indica hybrid sativa type aspect of, of what it does for schizophrenia versus? Not that I'm aware of because most of our studies are limited to sativa just because that's traditionally what we've been most comfortable with, what we've all grown up around, what we've known the most. I, the government tightly controls this. So when you want to do any 
peer-reviewed study using these illicit substances, any scheduled drug. You have to get government approval, and the government actually has to be the one generally to provide you with your raw material. Getting the government on board with things like, ooh, let's hybridize and see what we get, it's a tough sell. Wow. So when you're doing the study the government's providing, which may not even be the perfect product for what you Potentially, need. the government is providing your raw materials. At the very least, they're going to regulate where you can get your raw materials. So you are going to be limited. But you know that from the get-go. So when you design your study, you design it knowing exactly what it is you're going to get to use. And you do have to admit that that could be a limitation of your study. So if you're doing good science, you're going to say, this was a sativa. Here are the potential benefits and future research questions for why we might want to consider a hybrid. And you talk about that. You give future research direction if you're doing good science. Wow. That, that's absolutely unbelievable because you're getting the pharmaceutical companies, they're getting paid by the government <laughs> to produce the products that they charge $100 for, but they won't give the right product for, uh, for what some of these people need. Right. And a lot of it is just miseducation and things going back to the 30s and the 40s and the reefer madness and just this misunderstanding of, of the potential medical benefits of certain substances. Yeah. And what, what do you think the, uh, the the change will be? How long do you think till the change will, will really take place out there, uh, you know, in the country as far as... Uh, my, my feelings are, uh, and I asked you first, but now I'm butting into it, but uh, my feelings are is I think that what's going to happen in this industry is going to get more and more away from um, the, the actual person just smoking a regular joint, and then we're going to come up to another commercial here, so we have to get into our next segment to it, but... Um, that person smoking to it being more defined on what we're actually going to be using it for, what it's built for, and how it's going to actually affect the body and stuff like that. So that's where I, I think that some of the changes are going to be. But we're, we're going to we'll go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back. The Jim Lebo Show will be right back. And we're back. Here's your host, Jim Lebo. And we are back, and it's a beautiful day in Texas today. Probably a little bit warm, but uh, but the sun is shining, and it's a wonderful day to be alive. And I'm here with Wes today, Wes Parks. He's a therapist. And we've been talking uh, about a, a lot of different stuff about CBDs, how it affects people, and and just different things that you know we're, we're going to face as we try to make this big push in the country out there. Of, uh, of you know getting marijuana looked at differently there's a lot of studies there's a lot of things going on we're moving in the right pace but we're not moving fast enough in a pace and i think that's really the difference but when you when you kind of look uh you know west you know when you look at you know like adhd and cbd you know we're a cbd company cleanleafpharma.com if you'd like to go out to excuse me our site and check it out but, you know, from the CBD side, why are people not telling everybody uh, from the top of the roofs, to, uh, you know, to get this supplement in? We have receptors in our body. Hmm. We've talked about these receptors. It's no different than anything else that you need to fill in your body. If your body needed uh, because you're dehydrated, you're going to instantly take something to make sure that you're not dehydrated. So why are we not doing the same thing when it comes to cannabis? Why is this push not out there? Why are people not pushing behind it? Why... 
what's it going to take to knock down, you know, the pharmaceuticals and to get the true studies with, you know, ADHD and different things that we need for the patients that are out there? It's institutionalized ignorance. And I really like your example about dehydration. And this is a great example of institutionalized ignorance. We teach people about the symptoms of dehydration, right? But did you know that by the time you first feel the twinges of thirst in your body, you're already 2% dehydrated? Yep. Most people don't know that, so they just think it's no big deal. The minute you start to feel thirsty, it's already too late. You're already dehydrated. We don't teach enough. It's institutionalized ignorance, and the people who are teaching our mental and medical health professionals are relying on research that is 30 and 40 years old. Here's a great example, not about your product, but something to think about. Do you know why we associate sodium or salt with high blood pressure? There were two European studies 20 years ago that showed that people who had more salt had higher rates of high blood pressure, but it didn't account for all these other confounds. Right. Two studies way back when, and now what do we say every day? Lower your sodium. There's now some studies going right now that say maybe we're not getting enough sodium. Maybe we need more sodium because sodium is actually critical for heart function, brain function, muscle function. It's institutionalized ignorance. It's dogmatic. We buy into the same thing over and over and over. And in this case, it's the religion of anti-marijuana. It's a religion just like any other church on the corner. Yeah. And there's a problem. We have to change the way this is taught and the way this is talked about. We need to have more frank conversations. And it needs to start from the top down. Policymakers, educators professionals. We need to be talking about this. We need to be more open about this. When I first entered this field, I was not very open about this. I spent 12 years working in forensic psychology. I evaluated people who were on drug charges. And now I'm sitting here going, what's the science of today telling me? Science of today is telling me there is great potential here because you're right. We have these cannabinoid receptors. Our bodies naturally produce some endocannabinoids for pain when we're feeling pain, not to the degree we would get from lighting up. But we're producing it because it's supposed to be there to some degree. Otherwise, our body would not produce it. So there's a potential to harness this more naturalized course than necessarily some medication that's got 52 side effects, most of which I don't even understand what all of them are. They just tell me and I sign off on the release when I take the pill. This certainly seems like a more natural approach once we refine the products the way your company's doing. I think we need more research. We're getting there. It's just too slow. So what we need are people pushing their lawmakers, pushing policymakers to push back against the pockets, deep pockets of big pharma that gets half of Congress elected. Hold your medical and mental health professionals accountable for the science of today. Come into my office with articles. I have clients that download their own articles, peer-reviewed journal articles, put it in my face and say, explain this. That's great. It makes me do my job better. Hold but, us accountable. Yeah, but they're you know, but they're not. I mean, it's you know, and it's sad because I mean, you know, at the, at the point, and they're making a lot of change, and you know, across the industry out there, uh, you know, because a person used to go to jail if he had a little bit on him, and mm-hmm. you know, and spent a lot of time in jail for it. Today, it's you know, it's it's changing how it's looked at from that side, and I really think, to be honest with you, most of the police forces out there today have, have pretty much said, you know. Have, big deal you know right. go home go home i think i yeah. think it's lots of big deal and when we look at the research we were talking a little bit about schizophrenia earlier so mm-hmm. I'm, i want to circle back around to that to okay. a little bit because when we were talking earlier we talked about how smoking can actually exacerbate symptoms but 
other variations of CBD actually can have some antipsychotic properties because they're stimulating dopamine and glutamate. And glutamate is one of those neurotransmitters we put on the back burner for years because we didn't understand it. We didn't know what it did. Case in point, ketamine stimulates glutamate, which is now being linked to depression. That's why those ketamine studies are so promising. Mm. There's another example of bypassing big pharma, looking at a different drug in a different way that they never intended, and we're getting somewhere. In some controlled studies, patients who took CBD versus standard antipsychotic medications that I'm not allowed to name showed some improvement in symptoms, showed sometimes the same improvement in symptoms. And what's interesting is they also, in some cases, showed what we call a better safety profile. So we think about a safety profile, we think about risk factors. If I release you from the hospital today, are you likely to come back to the hospital? Are you likely to put yourself in danger to the point that you are involuntarily brought back to the hospital? Or are you likely to be compliant with treatment? Are you likely to get a job, take care of your activities of daily living? On antipsychotic medications, there tends to be a dulling of all of the senses, a little bit of a zombie-like feeling was what every one of my clients tells me. It's what I've seen in the hospital setting. With CBD, we don't really have that, so we can see an improved safety profile. This means they might be more willing to consent and stay on treatment if it is the right treatment or if this is used in conjunction with treatment. And in MRI studies, detailed imaging of the brain. I mean, this is science, right? We can see. It's science we can see. It's not crazy numerical expressions. Nobody understands. It's a picture. We can see it. CBD alters brain function in the limbic and the neocortical areas same areas that are prominent in schizophrenic issues. It's altering it in a way that improves symptoms. So the area that is being damaged by schizophrenia is showing some response to treatment through CBD. Excellent. That's interesting. That is science. Cognitive impairment is a core deficit in schizophrenia. That's a disorganized thinking, disorganized speech, catatonic behaviors, inability to understand what is going on around you, inability to remember things, stay on task. Just because your thinking is so disorganized, some research is showing that CBD can help improve some cognitive functioning. Again, we got to be clear, this isn't lighting up a joint, which does right. not. It actually can impair cognitive functioning. But CBD oil has the potential to improve cognitive functioning in some capacities. Why wouldn't we study this more? So when you think about schizophrenia, these are just five or six bullet points off the top of my head of why I think we need to study this more based on current research. Well, and there seems to be a lot of, you know, to be honest with you, there seems to be, um, uh, I think, some similarities in the brain function between schizophrenia and um, like my son who had the stroke, Mm -hmm. um, he's more of almost where the autistic uh, side of it would be. But then uh, my friend that has schizophrenia, as long as he's on the medication that's that's working for him at the right time, he's more standoffish. Mm -hmm. He's more observant, just like an autistic person would be, watching very carefully everything that's going on you know, and, and and does that change if, you know, if, if the marijuana was put into there? Would it make him more sociable or would it put him more into... I would love to see studies of CBD and autism spectrum disorder. I, I'm not aware of any right now. I would love to see where that goes. But there's a large overlap in symptoms for mental illness. And it takes a really good trained clinician to be able to tease out what is what. 
Now, at its core, I'm not a big fan of diagnoses. I try to avoid them when I can because they're labels. Labels, in my mind, are for the clothes on my closet and the spices on my spice rack. But labels help me communicate to other professionals what I'm seeing. Okay, I will do it. But a lot of symptoms, you can have 10 symptoms that could be symptoms of 15 different disorders. So you really got to look at it in context and look at it over time and really delve in and understand it. And there is a lot of overlap between schizophrenia and autism as far as the behavioral dysregulation that you see in the response to social interactions. Yeah, there there really is. And and you're 100% right. I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's very very interesting where we're leading to and and it's sad the jim lebo show will return shortly and we're back here's your host jim lebo and we're back while well, we got talking right to the end of the segment that uh we didn't uh, we didn't get a chance to to finish everything but um, you know, I'm here with Wes Parks, you know, he's a therapist here in Fort Worth and uh, extremely, extremely educated when it comes to the, the scientific aspect, the research side. Uh, it's been a wonderful discussion so far with him here today, and I can't tell you how much it's a pleasure to, to have somebody that, that really knows, uh, you know, their stuff. And, uh, you know, there's just too many, too many people out there that have an idea possibly of what it might be, but that aren't putting the legwork in to really get to where we need to get. And Wes is, you know, he, he's gone in with full feet. And it's, it's, it's really nice to see that there is somebody else out there that, uh, that believes in uh, where we really need to go in this country. And I think there's a big shift that's coming in this country. We can't continue to keep going the way that we're going. And I think that the shift's coming within, you know, the next five to ten years. I think we'll see a major shift in this country about what happens with marijuana, uh, you know how it's diagnosed well it's uh, what it's mixed with mm-hmm. and uh, you know and you know and, and how it helps and we were talking oh. about schizophrenia before we went to break mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking um, you know a little bit about you know really you know from the cognitive side we talked about you know how the mixture can be you know related to you know autism or different things that we see within the brain and there's you know, I mean, I think it still goes back to products and everything that people put into them and everything that happens all day long with everything that goes on. And it's it's a big farce out there. I mean, we need to get back to the natural side, to the like you were talking about with the earth and, the, and things being fresh and getting the right nutrients and getting the body in the right shape and... You know, I mean, I you know, you know, I used to used to be an athlete. You know, now, <laughs> you know, now it looks like you know I'm sitting at home eating Twinkies. You know, but you know, we spend a lot of time in this country debating nature versus nurture on so many other areas. Yeah. You know, is does something happen because it's genetic, or does something happen because of our exposure to things in the environment? We think about that in terms of intellectual disabilities. We think about that in terms of uh, gender identities and sexualities and schizophrenias and, and ADHDs and obesity and diabetes and any number of things we're having this debate. But the fact that we're having the debate about nature versus nurture means we're looking at nature. It means we're looking at the environment, which means our, we're starting to collectively shift the consciousness to that, to this openness to think about it. I wish it was faster because we talked earlier about, you know, how we're starting to see some studies. We have data going back to the early 2000s, 2003, uh, a meta-analysis that shows that the, the prior reporting of all of the severe cognitive deficits of daily heavy use of marijuana was so overstated, it didn't bear scientific scrutiny. That's not really that well known. It's not that well publicized. It was in a neuropsychiatry journal. It's pretty big stuff. 
most people don't know that we are studying using ecstasy with vets because it's one study, I think, in North Carolina, so tightly controlled, I didn't know. we don't even talk about it. Yeah, so. But we're starting to shift the, this, this collective consciousness over to openness to new ideas. I don't know if it's because all of a sudden we decided we need to be organic and this is a form of organic. I don't know if we just decided all these pills aren't working. 15, 16, 20 pills a day don't work. Maybe that was the impetus for it. I'm just glad it's happening. And I'm glad that consumers, clients of mine, consumers of yours, the average person who's just hearing the show and thinking, wow, this is interesting. What does it mean? I'm glad they're holding people like you and me accountable for this. I'm glad they get in our face and say, hey, where is the science? Show me the science. That's why you're here. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just pull the science out before they had reefer madness? <laughs> <laughs> that was the science back then. Well, but that was also, you know, at the same time we looked at, you know, in my field, you have people like Eric Erickson and Piaget that talked about stages of development by looking at only their three children. Right. That's not really great science, yet those are still the theories we use today. Yeah. That's where our science is. We've been so far behind. See, so, yeah, it'd be great if we had better science before reefer madness. Where would we be now? Yeah, on the schizophrenia side, how much CBD, pro, uh, you know, uh, uh, are you guys, you know, providing to them as far as milligrams, you know? That I don't have the answer to because okay. I am not participating in any of those specific studies. And I will tell you that until the studies are published, they've been through the peer review process, we don't know what the protocol is. Sometimes you can look at a study in advance and see what has been proposed, but what has been proposed and what ultimately is done may not be the same thing because you refine your techniques over time. When a study is published, when it's gone through the the peer review process, which means I have done this study, I have done, collected this data, I have reviewed the literature, I have proposed this methodology, I've collected the data, I have analyzed the data, I've written the results and drawn conclusions, I send it to a journal. That journal then sends it blindly to anywhere between 5 and 20 reviewers who don't know who wrote it and you don't know who's reviewing it. They can sometimes spend months poring over that paper, tearing it apart looking for where you made mistakes or where you could do it better. They send it back. It's revised. It goes to a different group of reviewers. So by the time this comes out and we know the, the answer to your question, it has been thoroughly scrutinized if it is done through real science. So you can be really confident in those results. So then we'll know what's the dosing and what worked and why. But you can be confident in the results, but also it's been scrutinized so bad that, you know, we could have been so much farther along if they hadn't scrutinized it so bad. But that's what we need. From a scientific standpoint, we need that level of scrutiny because that level of scrutiny is what prevents me from saying, okay, I looked at three clients that come to my office who got CBD from some source other than me since I can't distribute anything and I'm not a medical doctor. And based on these three people alone, here's what I think should happen. That's not good science. That would never hold up. That doesn't advance my cause, your cause, anybody's cause. So we need the peer review. That's why peer review is so rigorous. It's why it is so hard to get good science published. And that is the difference between something that's in the Journal of the American Medical Association and some right-wing faith-based funded newsletter passing itself off as science saying, here's the danger of weed on every street corner. You and I want the, the rigorous peer review. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm talking about. Is it being scrutinized too far from the wrong side saying that, you know, no, this isn't good when it really is good? 
that's a danger we have to look at with science anytime we have reviewers. But the reality is the reviewers are chosen because they are on the forefront of doing science. So that doesn't really happen. If your research is sound, if your methodology is sound, if your results are sound, it's going to get endorsed. Okay, so they're not going to pull it apart. They're not going to pull it apart. Uh, and they, they may actually think of ways that you could do it better in a future study. They, we frequently make recommendations. When I review journal articles for peer review, I frequently make comments about here's how you could do this better in the future. But just because I don't like something doesn't mean I pull it apart because that's not science. That's opinion. If I'm paid to review an article, I'm paid to do science. Right. So when you look at uh, studies that you want to be involved in from, you know, from schizophrenia and stuff like that, is, is there a lot of different studies or is it, is, it, is it a straight line study that, you know, they can say, okay, this is as far as we really want to go right now? It depends on the researcher who's your principal investigator. So we're even doing some interesting research out in East Texas about even looking at eye movement in people who, can we look at eye movement to see if you have schizophrenia? Because we're looking at so many other things that we're branching out in so many ways, but it's because somebody had an interesting research question of, wow, I noticed looking at these six schizophrenic patients that their eyes did the same thing. Could that be a, a, a telltale sign that we've never seen before leads to a research question. Look, six of my clients said they've been using CBD and all of a sudden their schizophrenia is responding and they're more compliant with treatment and they're able to hold down a job. I wonder if this is something we should research. That's how these research questions come about. It's because we see something and we think, what if? What does this mean? What if? How can we make it better? So it's great. So who knows where this is going to go? It all depends on if people are willing to do the research, stick their neck out there, be a principal investigator on something and see where it takes you. And the reality is most science doesn't pan out. That's okay. We still learn from it. Well, and that's one of the reasons, you know, why I asked you the question is because, I mean, with CBD, the, the nice thing about it is it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can take as much as you want and it's not going to hurt you. We're going to come back up to a break here in a little bit, but uh, you know, you can take, it's, you're only going to get better. You're not going to get worse. So when you look at, you know, with schizophrenia and with different things, you know, are they getting the right dosage amounts that they're supposed to get? Are, are they, are they, you know, testing the panel out there? We've only got a few minutes before we go to break, but. So when we look at that, we look first when we test medications. First thing we look at is toxicity. Can you survive a medication? Because that's what the FDA looks at. Is it going to kill you? Then after that, we start looking at therapeutic dosing and we try different dosages on different people and see what produced the best results. Join us next time for another episode of the Jim Lebo Show. Jim Lebo is the president of Clean Leaf Pharmaceuticals. Shop the online store for CBD capsules, e-juice, lotion, and more at cleanleafpharma.com. Cleanleafpharma.com.